0: All right. Starting tuckered out life. Uh, this week we have Josh Bierman, another one of my former wrestlers. Uh, you and Swole graduated together, right? Kyle Grabman. That's right. Yeah. So Kyle last year, Kyle beat him. So Josh was a little bit upset. His agent, uh, made an angry, uh, text message to him or he did to his agent. And, uh, so we have him on. He is the second official guest, uh, of the program. So, um, glad to have you on this week and, uh, Several so things. Josh is a uh, currently a an official for the state of Alabama and has called the state tournament for several years. So we're going to get into uh, the new rule changes. Uh, hey, I, well, let's just jump right into that. So, yeah, uh, so what are your thoughts on the the National Federation put out their new changes for the upcoming year? Um, states, as always, states have the option to do them state of Alabama usually does whatever's put out there. So, so what's your take on, on some of them?
1: Uh, Well, it it kind of feels like every few years when they make these changes, there's, there's about every third year, it feels like a big jump forward. And then in between years, it's just kind of small steps. Um, this felt like a big jump forward, um, right off the gate, the biggest change the way in procedure really stood out to me, um, using the, uh, full uniform and no weight allowance uh, for whenever you weigh in, minus the shoes and headgear, that was pretty significant. So no more having to go find the female trainers to weigh in the girls. You know, we're all in there together. I do wonder with that what they're going to do about tent checks. I'm sure they'll give us some language about that afterwards, where we may have, still have to do that separate. So hopefully they've thought that piece through, and surely they have. Um, but it feels like a lot of the last several years you've seen this coming with the, the hair rules being more and more relaxed and uh, technical violations with shoelaces and whatnot being more and more relaxed. Uh, those are all positive changes to me. I, I think those are uh, pretty common sense. The, the one for technical violation for a shoe coming off, uh, I think we can all agree that that, that makes sense, so mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, Because if you don't lace your shoe up all the way, it's going to come off. So lace your shoe up all the way, kid. Um, The one that I really thought this is going to give us fits, I can already see it in the postseason next year, is the score. Uh, If someone takes an injury time in an imminent scoring situation, it basically says that the referee judges that they would have scored anyways do award points. That's gonna give us fits. But what was your
0: thoughts on that one? I actually like that one. Um because it it happens and as you know, it like you said, uh in the championship round, it, it happens in the pressure matches, is when all these things blow up. And um having been there on the opposite side where you, you've got the guy getting the takedown, um, or you know, your your guy's scoring and then you have the, the other guy signals injury time or you know, and then as an official, your job is to score but also protect. Um, I think it actually allows you guys to be able to do both now. Um, to be able to say, Okay, yeah, well, that was a, a an incidental eye poke um that the guy turned and so and then the guy shot him. So that's not a takedown. But in this situation, uh they were in a the guy was actually already in on the shot or he was actually already starting to about to expose near fall. Um, and the other guy signaled it, which that's, that one's already in there anyway, uh, to a point. But I think that actually opens it up to allow you guys as officials to really set the tone during the season and kind of show the coaches that, Hey, we are here to score points. We want safety, but, um, and and you guys actually do have a leg to stand on because like I said, in judgment, um, which we all know. I mean, and if you guys as a as a former state champion has wrestled a lot and done a lot of matches, you know whether that guy was gonna score or not. Um so it's not like some of those horror stories of, well, he was about to score. Well, now you actually can say, Yeah, he was about to score, your guy caught injury time, I'm awarding him too, and the clock's running. That's the that's okay. the part that I think a lot of people are gonna miss. People are going to get caught up like you are with the, the scoring, but the fact that you automatically start injury time. And the second injury time, now it's my choice. So I think there's going to be a lot of coaches forget about that part and uh, argue the scoring, and then that kid will call injury time again later, and now it's my choice. And so I actually can get, you know, multiple points out of that. Yeah, so totally. um, yeah, I like it. Can...
1: Where I see it, it's going to happen. It's going to be a semifinal match. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big. Moment in the team race, and they're, two kids are going to be scrambling, and someone's going to holler, Oh, my knee, or something, and maybe go limp for a second. And then we're going to have this, Ooh, did he let go because he was hurt, and otherwise he'd have kept fighting, or did he, was he coming around to score anyways? It just the, the injury was incidental, and that's, that's going to be the tough one. But uh, we'll see it play out. I mean, anytime you give us more freedom as referees, that can be both a good and bad thing, depending on. Who you're giving the power to? Um, but I think we'll we'll get all get together. Obviously, there'll be a ton of videos out there, and we'll 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 hopefully get it right. But you know, anytime they're they're encouraging scoring, never a bad thing. No, and you mentioned the restart. There's one we didn't forget, or we didn't mention yet, was the on the two point stall call. So mm-hmm. the fourth stall automatically restart it, no matter what position we're in. Uh, I, I like it.
0: Oh yeah, that's what uh, we kind of. We're going to touch on that next week on uh, the Cerebus podcast I was just on. Um, and, and I said the same thing. I mean, that that guy's that guy's up three points, and he's holding on on top or stalling on bottom or, or freaking backing up uh, with, you know, eight seconds left in the match knowing, hey, I can't get hit twice. Yeah, but now you can get hit once. Opponent picks bottom. Boom, tie yeah. game. That was exactly
1: what I was thinking because – i bet it all the time as a ref. Where you're like, look, I'll get involved to a point. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get him to four. You know, it's 20 seconds left. Am I going to hit him three times in 20 seconds? Probably not. I'm probably going to hit him around maybe 13 seconds and maybe again at five or six. And at that point, it's on you to get the takedown. But, hey, this kind of gives another way to where we're discouraging stalling out. Like, you got to go the whole time. So I like it. So I and, get
0: out. and I see kind of tying these two together. Um, you know, you brought up like a state, a big match, at like a state or stuff like that. The good thing about the first one we're talking about is you're going to have an assistant official there that I may come to the table and question it, but I may say, hey, can you check him? Because if your 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 AR thought it was thought it was a potentially dangerous situation that you know my guy let go. Your judgment, your ju- you guys go, yeah, you know what? That is not a takedown. That is not – so you have there. Uh-huh. But what you just said, I think that's going to happen more where that official has been ingrained, and they're going to hit them for one, hit them for three, and then they'll be like, all right, there's five seconds left, boom, stalling two, and then a coach is going to – and then they're going to let the time run, and a coach is going to go irate, and that kid's going to uh-huh. think he's won, we they're going to go to the table. And we're going to have to go back and wrestle those five seconds. And you're going to have that. That's, I see that yeah. happening more likely at a major thing at the end of the year than the first one, just because you're going to have an AR. Um, and hopefully the AR will catch you when that one's called and be like, hey, that's it. That's that's the two point. You got to stop it. Yeah,
1: totally. And, oh. you know, people may think like, oh, five seconds. You know, normally stuff doesn't happen that quickly. But we have the finals match this year where – there was a restart with, I think it was three seconds left, and it was a, was it a reverse, was it a escape, or was it nothing, decision to be made um, in the state finals. And it, it absolutely happens more often than people think. Right. I absolutely think it's going to affect those end-of-match scenarios where previously you could kind of run the clock
0: out, but it takes away that option, which is always a good thing. Well, hopefully at that, go ahead. Okay. I was going to
1: say, I was surprised they um, missed it, or did they put any language about uh, reducing weight classes, or, or is that going to come later?
0: I don't think anything's with the weights right now. Um, sometimes things happen on social media, things start, people start putting stuff out uh-huh. there. So um, I had not because heard. The
1: last several years during the surveys, it seems like there's a big problem in other states with forfeits. And we're not immune to it in Alabama, but I've never really thought of it as this huge negative thing. That's just this cancer on the sport. Like it's an opportunity to grow it where, Hey, you can hey kid you've never wrestled before. Come on in you can get started day one. And so I I don't love taking away spots. Uh, I don't think that going down and weights, you know, just magically grows the sport because I think you're taking away starting opportunities uh, for those other kids. And so, I don't love that, so I was glad to see that off, and I hope they leave it at 14. Um, I won't be shocked if they take it down to 13. It seems every year that that's always a question on the survey, so I'll bet it's coming.
0: Yeah, I, I'd really, and I guess since I wasn't as heavily involved on the head coaching side this year um, and last year, I hadn't really seen as much, but I just don't. I I, I think that they're kind of happy with where things are, the weight classes. I do know that there is, there has been talk, like you said, of how to reduce forfeits in dual matches. That, that's that been more the talk more so than weight classes from what I've heard. Um, they right, so uh,
1: have like a, almost how they do it at the Olympic level, or you have the world weight classes and then you have the Olympics, there's two less. So you maybe have a tournament and a dual weight class lineup, or maybe just, We'll say 195 and 132 just are dual weight classes
0: well that's been that's kind of the extreme it's been more of a a forfeit is like seven points or uh, okay. forfeits don't like
1: like they don't take the tiebreaker maybe
0: yeah yeah stuff like that has been I'll been taken that. in so like uh, that that's been more of the discussion of how, how you do it um but you know try to penalize uh, and, and the extra point with the forfeits was really more of a gear towards those schools we all know who they are, where you have a stud, they have a stud, well, you'll forfeit to their stud to get a weaker kid so that your guy doesn't have his record hurt, or so you can run from people okay. or or you just say, Oh, we're you know, the match is over, we're gonna forfeit so we don't have to worry about wrestling this one. So Oh uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I've heard of that too
0: yeah you know, we've clinched it with four
1: weight classes to go so we'll just morph it
0: out Yeah. so uh, and I love that well and i and as a coach I've done that before i mean um and it's not i mean colleges have kind of done it too like you get down in our region duels and things like that you clinch it with uh two matches to go um you know it's a region duel round one round two now state semis uh state finals yeah, yeah you're wrestling those all the way out. But, uh, I mean, I can uh-huh. say having the last two years been in the state duels tournament with the teams I've been with, like, yeah, we've done that. We've we forfeited. Um, or the other team has been like, it's over, forfeit, forfeit you know. Um, uh-huh. So that's kind of what happened this year to us in round two with Gardendale. I mean, they had clinched it with two to go, so they forfeited the final two weight classes. So, uh, uh-huh. you know, and, and you know what? And I can say that from that point of view, it's like, what's the point? Um, Why well, send my kid out there to potentially be injured when we got a chance to win a state title um, in a match that doesn't matter anymore? So, yeah. well, uh, if you're looking for a
1: compromise, hopefully you have a backup and you throw your backup out there.
0: Yeah, and that's what that's what that's what uh, you know you try to do is those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the first one you hit on? Because I want to. There was something we Ed and I started talking about
1: the weigh-in procedure with full uniform.
0: Was it? Yeah, the way. I, and there was some. There was a wording in there about it. Um, something with the females about the the skin checks. Like it's almost, which sounds crazy. It's almost like the skin. Like this. Like you. You're going to check them with the singlets on. I. I don't know. Like you said, it's going to be an interesting. I know when we go to uh, national tournaments and things like that. Like when I took my son this year. Um, and you've been to them where. You walk in, you know, and like there they are, Everybody's on the floor in their singlet. So, yeah. in the state of Alabama, if a guy and the kids and the teams haven't done it, it's going to seem strange. But for those kids that do travel out, and, and we have a lot more kids doing it, it's not going to be that big a deal. Um, uh-huh. I felt nice. I felt the hair rule was actually should have happened last year, um, and uh-huh. and this is my personal opinion looking at it. I think it's almost like a cop out. Like we didn't do it last year because of all the pressure, and we didn't want to feel like we were giving into the pressure. But then this year we just opened the floodgates. So yeah. I, I, I mean, I that should have been done last year. Everybody knows it. So I, I'm all in favor of the hair rule because one less thing you guys got to worry about. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, that, that person grabs the hair. Yeah, it's but, like grabbing a singlet.
1: Has never bothered me as much as there is still certain certain uh just a, a, equipment almost like the like you can get some of those headgear
0: where it's worn down and that'll scratch your worse than hair will yeah um and i and i've noticed that the crossing the the headgear the four straps has kind of started to become yeah. overlooked again and the tape on the straps is starting to become overlooked again which as the you, you wrestled for me you know the way i used to we should take them and do it like i didn't i don't i don't have a problem with it because it's not damaging it's not doing anything like that so uh yeah
1: that was from what i understand was a lawsuit someone had an injury and they said oh the gear was crossed and somehow liability got passed to someone that didn't want it so
0: there you go that's exactly how all this stuff happens um with everything else that we've, that we've got happening. So speaking of liabilities and things getting shut down and we're here in the state of Alabama. And so we are no longer at a stay at home. We are now going to a safer at home. Wow. That was a big change that we just made. Um, so I talked last week, we had Kyle Grayman on, he's in the medical field. Josh deals with HR. You can explain a lot bit more, but he deals with a lot of small businesses. So, uh, you know, kind of expound upon, uh, from your perspective, things that have been going on with the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus uh, from your perspective?
1: Yeah, so what I do is I'm a, I'm a sales consultant for small businesses. Uh, I work for a large payroll and HR outsourcing company. And so 85, 90% of our clients are somewhere around uh, 10 to 30 employees to protect. Um, we do have some that are big, some that are one-man operations, but for the most part, it's that small business. So all of this CARES Act, PPP, all these acronyms that are thrown out in the news, that's really the life that I've lived the last five to six weeks. Um, a lot of our clients are just really struggling to get by. Um, we've had a number of, you know, we have dentists and optometrists and other kind of medical fields, daycares, restaurants, um, some sales type of companies as well most of them have either gone to a very skeleton crews or straight up had to shut down and it's been really difficult for them and you've know, been talking on the phone with someone where a guy he he kind of gave me an earful about something that he bought from us 17 years ago and he ranted and ranted and ranted And I was like okay like i hear you sir and he goes i'm sorry i don't mean to bring this all out on you i just i haven't had my my loan I haven't cleared the bank yet, and I'm just stressed to dealing with a lot. And I was like, hey, man, totally get it. Um, and then we had some different uh, resources to help connect him with to help. But, yeah, you know, the, the big thing is just helping those folks realize this will end, that life will come out on the other side. Um, the government's done a decent job with getting some of this money connected. Uh, banks have dropped the ball in some areas. You know, if you've heard some of these stories of, you know, oh such and such bank, you know, their their people didn't get the loans. That's that's actually very true. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who they applied day one don't have it, and I have some who applied day three, four, five, money to the bank, they've hired all their people back, they're they're good to go. Um, So that's been the big thing that I've just seen is that there's a lot of worried owners out there that overnight, you know, imagine you're a dentist and you're five years out of dental school and you've opened up your first practice, you're really excited, you're four or five hygienists in, you've got an office manager, things are looking good, and then all of a sudden you've had to shut down for six weeks. You still owe your rent, you still owe your rent on your equipment, uh, you still got salaries to pay, and there's no money coming in, and you have no option, you cannot open And that's where a lot of these people are, and so it's been really difficult for them.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the the parents I've talked to or small business are kind of the same way. I mean, I had one who, like you said, they they applied and they got it, but um, they deal with uh, electrical for corporations. So basically, Mm -hmm. most of their workers are just at their shop cleaning the shop. Um, And then I was talking to a couple other guys whose businesses are fine. So, um, Uh the, the barbershop in Chelsea that we started using, he just opened like four months ago and now they're shutting, he had to shut down. Fortunately, it's just him. But, uh, yeah, I I think I'm kind of like you, I think it's hit and miss. Um, I, I said this on the last, on the podcast with, with, the Sarah's podcast that, um, I feel like our governor kind of sort of gave in and did more of a political thing in that the safer at home is a way to instead of last week where it was, we're gonna open, but didn't fully explain that it's gonna be a stage. So she had to backtrack like, so this week it's like, she felt like she had to uh-huh. do something. And um, I do agree with the the retail and the stuff 50%. Um, uh, I, I just kind of felt like it was a sort of a semi cop, but it's yeah. gonna help out the people you're talking about.
1: Well, another thing that I've dealt with some owners that their employees have asked them not open or they voluntarily said, Hey, I realize you know, we're a construction company. So we're going to be open, but I don't feel safe. I want to go home. I'll take the unpaid leave. Uh, and so that's been a concern from the employee level because there's just some people that, and when we zoom out, there are people who have different levels of Mm -hmm. concern about what's going on. Some people much more in the, nothing's, nothing wrong's gonna happen to me. I'm young, I'm healthy, whatever. And then all the way up to those who are highly concerned. Um, I think there's valid points to be made from everyone. But the reality is, if you're an owner, you got to deal with that, uh, that you have different people who maybe you've had to sit home and they're like, this is stupid. I want to get back to work. And then vice versa. You got people saying, hey, you, y'all need to come on into work. And they're saying, we don't want to. I don't, I don't feel safe. And so that's been a major thing. And, you know, it's someone in H.R., Um, I keep making the comments of our clients and they all just shake their head and agree is there's been more HR concerns and law passed in the last two to three weeks than the previous decade. Um, And so just overnight, the way that employment went with small businesses has just been dramatically changed. Um, And I I do wonder what social norms will will take from this. And, you know, are we going to be two to three years down the road still with the six-foot exes at home depot separating us it's are people going to get nervous at you whenever a stranger offers their hand to shake your hand um i'm very curious to see what this is going to look like in a year or two
0: yeah uh there's going to be as a person who likes personal space like i'm all about this Uh, i would never could stand the person that you're in line that gets right up on you and they're bumping you with the cart i'm like really um so I, i have enjoyed that uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, the the fact that there are going to be people, and as a teacher yeah. um, and, I and, a, and a coach. back to
1: wrestling for a second. I, I'll bet you in a couple of years, you know, we've got rules right now about communicable diseases on skin. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if next year or the next year in the rule book, if someone shows up with flu-like symptoms, that there's language in there saying they cannot wrestle. So someone's got the sniffles or their coughing real bad. and. <sighs> Maybe alarmist, but I wouldn't be shocked.
0: Yeah, I think that one would be a lot more difficult to regulate um, than you,
1: you hope coaches and and healthcare providers would sit the kid out and say, "Hey, let's, let's let's get healthy before we get back at you know get back on the mat. It's not worth it this weekend." But <laughs> I, I, I'm saying I wouldn't be shocked.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. You wrestled with the flu. Um, and we probably shouldn't have wrestled you, but you wanted to wrestle and you went out there and, and, and did it. Um, Oh, that was the, uh, the St. Clair County. That was the
1: flu. That was like, that was some other kind of stomach know. bug flu hybrid.
0: Yeah. But, but that's what I'm getting at. Like, you know, how, how do we, yeah. that, that's that. Yeah. That's opening up a whole yeah. other can of worms, but, um, I mean, there's so many other stuff. I mean, the HSA now has, uh, we have a new training for coaches, uh to deal with and address and how to approach mental disorders with athletes, which is a good thing. Um yeah. and from the people that's already done it, like we already know how to do it anyway, those that's been doing it. But it's just more awareness. I could see more on the end of more awareness training from the perspective, more so than the kid has this, you have to send them home. It's almost like with the con- concussion protocols, like it's become more of an awareness than yeah than, than that so uh, I, I see it going more of the awareness route than the oh that kid doesn't look like they feel good you know they can't wrestle tonight like unless you have a full doctor on staff with you mm-hmm. know the temperature gauge and stuff like that but uh it yeah. is so it's gonna be interesting. all kind of hippo wall, which is super fun <sighs> yeah let's let's don't bring any more uh government into into all this so with what all's going on i want to we spent i spent the last hour and a half talking about stuff like that so i kind of want to keep let's keep this as close to sports as we can um uh, so but i mean we can keep going i can i can go back into my history stuff i taught you so find you for your naked cats because you love cats and their names child you know animal abuse so no doubt you thought i forgot about that didn't you All right, so Josh is a big Auburn fan, uh, way more college football fan than I am. I'm a pro fan, but uh, going to get his take on the on the NFL draft, and I'll jump in a little bit. So you you watched it. What, what was your perspective?
1: I really loved the format that they did. Obviously, it was born a necessity, but I think they found something there, because I've never really been super interested in the setting of the NFL draft, because they walk on stage they take a picture with the with the jersey and, and just everything looked the same and it was kind of interesting when they started traveling to new cities and you know that was an interesting take but i really loved seeing everyone in their houses uh because it was just it gave some visuals that were just internet gold um I was thinking about cliff kingsbury sitting in his this very swanky mansion uh that was incredible the uh bill belichick uh getting out of his chair and the dog sitting in his chair and them having the graphic of this is Bill Belichick. Yeah. That was hilarious. And the, just seeing the player reactions was, was great because when they're on stage, it's just kind of very robotic. Uh, you know, they give Roger Dale a handshake and a hug and that's kind of it. But when you see the family and the friends there love that. Uh, some of the visuals were really funny too. There was one, I forget who it was. I think it was a, offensive lineman, maybe from Georgia, I want to say. He gets drafted, and this girlfriend is just hanging all over him and just yeah. waving, and it's, it's really weird looking. And you see Mama, i assume it was Mama, like, hitting her on the shoulder, like, all right, come on now, get up, get up. And then she, like, hits her hard one more time, and the girl, like, finally, begrudgingly, she stands up, and you see Mama getting ready to sit down, and she, like, clenches her fists and kind of waves her hand in this moment momentary pause where you're like you could tell this mama has had it with this girl and that's the stuff you don't get whenever you do it on the stage so love the format Um, on the negative side I I, I didn't watch all of it I was kind of in and out but I did notice every time someone was drafted uh, they'd be like alright so and so from Clemson and uh, you know his family was a bunch of drug lords and he was in a vicious car wreck when he was three years old It, it was the that they're bringing up in these moments and felt really odd out of place sometimes and i get why they're doing it because it's the human connection that they're trying to to put in there but uh there was one of them they just said it was his profile and his interesting fact was mother dealt with drug abuse and i thought that was really poor taste but overall I thought espn nailed it got it right what did you like the format
0: I. Uh... I didn't get to I actually honestly didn't watch it as much as I normally do, which is bad for being as big of a fan as I am of the NFL and the 49ers. Um mostly because Thursday night um we got sort of invited. So to to go out with and do some social distancing and uh yeah. so we did. Um so I, and you know, with this normally I probably would have been like, "No, I'm going to go watch the draft," but because of what's going on, you know, took advantage of it, and then, uh, and then Friday, we just did our normal family stuff, and I just kind of got my tweets and things, but I did kind of, what what I enjoyed the most and hit me on Saturday as I was kind of in and out was the families, and as a coach, and, and you, you know this because, because your wife's mother coaches, um, uh, you, you you guys understand that a lot of times as coaches, we don't get to spend a lot of the major times with our families right there um they're always at a distance at the events they're there they're outside the fence they're in the stands they're not like right there on the bench on the sidelines with you and um and to know that normally during the draft process like these guys um and and girls now that coach too and then help out they're usually at the facilities for a week at a time and rarely uh, maybe the family comes in says a little bit but uh, I enjoyed them doing the montage of you know the 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 kids, the grandkids, the dog, um, and like you said, getting to see that, and you know it really kind of hit home, you know, as a coach to say to be able to think about I'm sitting here at a major point for my program, you know, for for their organization, and there's my kids right there, there's my wife right there, I can make this decision and walk over there and see them, whereas normally I couldn't, so uh, I. I hope the NFL finds a way to keep that part going. I think that there was a lot of positive um, things that came out from the coach perspective for it. Uh, I do agree with what you were saying. It did seem like when I did listen do they always tried to find something like they overcame and it was, it was always seemed like it was dramatic. Uh, and unfortunately a lot of the athletes that get there, they do have a lot of those things. Uh, and I do just wonder if it was because they didn't have time to go to films or go watch them do all of their testing, and and have the ability to talk about. it. So they, it was all by phone and everything like that. Yeah, um, Grab the low hanging fruit there. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, totally. So that was it. Uh, yeah, I think
1: that it. Like, these are definitely, you know, people and young men, but you know, I I I, I think that what they've done is so incredible already because they're in the percent of the percent of accomplishment that that's enough of a story to me to get fired up about and you know if there's a, another element of something they've overcame that just is all the more incredible um and so like there's one that did a bone marrow donation for his sister mm-hmm. and that that's a long recovery and that that influences his athletic career i thought that was i thought that was relevant and a, a great story it's just some of the other ones where it wasn't even their adversity it was someone else's but they were just throwing it in there to just pull oh, your heartstrings didn't love that
0: yeah and, and that's that was kind of it and I, that was what um especially on saturday when i got to listen to more and that's usually when it happens on rounds four five and six anyway mm-hmm. um but just listen to them go yeah i really have nothing on this guy so uh or oh well we have no yeah, film they,
1: they played at the school so yeah there we go
0: yeah, so I, I enjoyed that yeah. because normally they would have filled it with something because they would have been A more they, study and, yep, yeah, but totally. but they had nothing and so I thought it was great all these yeah. experts who really didn't have it um have it as yeah, well man. together as it yeah, as it on the fly yep. um, but yeah but I do I do think that it's going to be something that I I did miss the cities um, I do miss the fact that it is for the fans um, college football is for the towns. And the fans um n f l is literally for the fans um uh-huh. because you you know you're you fans and and you get to do it, so we've had that discussion the difference living here in the south, so um I like the fact that they rotate it um so that they can do that totally. That's uh, fun.
1: so yeah, uh, I think another thing that stood out to me just thinking about it from the college football level uh, and this is true year in year after year for the uh playoff is there is a massive gap between the top four or five schools and everybody else because Auburn had six guys drafted and that tied a modern record, which is pretty good. That's, you know, other than one round, that's, that's one guy every round. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, But then you have LSU getting 14 drafted. I think Alabama was somewhere around nine or 10. Uh, Ohio state was somewhere around nine or 10. Like Georgia's up there too and every single year those teams always have nine to 12 guys and that's a huge difference when you take that over a three-year period that's 15 20 more extra nfl guys you're putting on the field over the number 10 team in the country yeah and that's just a huge gap between the top five and everybody else so the I mean, there's nothing to, nothing to say. Just pick up your game, everyone else. Like, you don't just tell and hey, quit recruiting well. Um, so, you yeah, know, it's on everyone else to get better. Um, but it was good to see some of the Auburn guys getting drafted. Eric uh, Brown going to the Browns was, uh, made a ton of sense. That, that's a, that was a good fit. and I think it's a good spot for him to land. Um, the, the real interesting story to me was you Noah know, monogamy. Two years ago, he was buried in the depth chart as a running back for a receiver, and he makes a switch to corner. Two years later, he's in the first, first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was incredible, and I think I'm right on that. If you count him as a receiver, uh, he might be the first Auburn receiver ever drafted in the first two rounds. Um, I can't think of one.
0: Uh, you would know, know more than he's,
1: me. He's drafted as a corner, but uh, that's just been that was a interesting to build good story. And the other thing from an Auburn perspective was had Tua played this year in the Iron Bowl, Auburn would have faced three of the top six picks at quarterbacks. So they had Burrow and uh, the Oregon guy, Herbert, and then would have had Tua there. And that's just, that's just a rough setting against an Auburn fan. You're like, yeah, we may be one of these top few teams, but you got to play two, three, four, six, seven every year and That's where you get your full losses from,
0: and that'll make you frustrated. Well, but that's an SEC thing because I mean they put out there that you know the number of SEC players recruited and the number that um, fifteen SEC guys drafted in the first round was a record, you know. And um, and Uh Kirby Smart came out and said, you know, like it's being used as a recruiting tool against them. It is, uh, but I don't think it's being used as a recruiting tool against the SEC, um, except for those guys that are kind of wavering or that. That four to five star, um, so that, uh, that is used again because those guys that know, um, that this is what they want to do, you know, that's what it is. Uh, I I enjoyed listening to, um, the guys that were not, top star recruits like Jeff uh, was it Jeffrey from LSU that was a walk on basically, that became a first rounder. Um, Ohio State's cornerback, the same thing. Like these are guys that were not top tier uh, recruits that went in and and did what, what you did, what I do with the sport of wrestling, we know, and they, they just went in there and they just went to work. Um, and, uh, and they became, you know, top draft picks. Uh, so it does show that the, 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 the rating system, the star system is not absolutely 100% uh, on there because some of these guys don't mature. They don't grow or they just don't go to these other things. Um, they don't go to the combines they don't go to those scouting things to get anything they rely on whatever's there and they just let their their play do the work for them yeah, so no doubt.
1: Um, at, at the end of the day it, it's an indicator sure like I, i'd rather have 25 stars and 23 stars because odds are most of those five stars are going to work out but to the individual that doesn't necessarily mean anything um and you got if you're a young kid and you Lag on somewhere, you got four or five years to, to catch up and, and get better. Um, I remember that my second wrestling match ever. I wrestled four South, Sapp, who's a four-time state champion. Eventually, um, he was an eighth grade at the time. Won, won his title that year, and it was it ended quite quickly because I've been wrestling for two weeks, something like that. And Keith Lashley was my middle school coach at the time, and he said, "Well, you got four and a half years to catch up." And and you know, the whole senior year—that's kind of how that happened. So, you know, I'm I'm one of those examples too, where I didn't do youth wrestling, but you can catch up.
0: Yeah, you can still wrestling is still one of those sports that uh, you can work yourself into a really good wrestler. So, um, athletes, being an athlete and having talent helps, but you can really, really work um, into that. We had a guy this year um, for for Chelsea, and we were and I was talking to Dan Dennis and some of those guys that now is the all wrestle we were talking about how like um you c- you can work your way into it. Um so you can you can definitely get there and, and catch those people um so that, that are there as far as all that stuff goes. Um speaking of speaking of that, I mean uh, have you been watching the last dance on the Chicago Bulls?
1: We we have watched through the third episode. So our cliffhanger was Dennis Rodman going to Las Vegas.
0: Going to Las Vegas. This... It's just
1: incredible television. He, he crushes a beer, hops on a motorcycle, and that's a professional athlete with a large contract, hopping on a motorcycle, uh, and then get the police escort to, like, I'm assuming, the airport.
0: Probably. Just,
1: just what a great way to end an episode. Um, yeah, I thought it was awesome, and I love ESPN when they're doing this kind of stuff. The storytelling... Uh, the 30 to 30 or the OJ documentary a couple of years ago this is great television this is ESPN at it's best don't love it when they just get four or five people on there and just start shouting at each other like there's so much good story uh, to be mined out of history um, that I'd love to see them do more of this
0: and that's what I talked to Kyle about last week was I, I've enjoyed it because I lived it um, and, and like this was and I'm a Bulls fan and um, and I came up. I started watching the NBA when Jordan came up, so that's who I gravitated to. Um, same reason I'm a Forty ers fan because that was Montana and Rice and Taylor and Lot and um, Auburn because of Bo Jackson. Like everything goes. All of my fandom comes when I was a kid, and um, and I wasn't. I'm not gonna say brainwashed by my family because my family's all Alabama fans. <laughs> um, but I was. I like. Why are we pulling for these teams that are losing? And you watch these guys just just destroy. So um so all that early stuff and then when when this happened, um I, I I'm in college and so going through this like it, it brings back the memories and I remember like Rodman like I had totally forgot about Rodman leaving, and going to Vegas like it all of a sudden it's like oh yeah, that's right Pippin did hold out oh yeah they did oh yeah Rod so uh-huh. um it it's been pretty cool for me to watch it but then for guys like you that I um that I coached I know you were a kid going through so. It, it didn't really register, but I know you're a sports fan, so now uh, getting you guys' take on it um, has been very interesting to see. Yeah, I remember the 98 finals was
1: actually one of the first playoff runs that I got invested in the NBA and was following the story through. I, I had seen games before that, and I kind of knew from playing video games or having posters, you know, oh, MJ and the dream team and that kind of stuff. But, you know, when you're a kid and you're six and you sit through a, a full game, you just kind of have that attention span. And so I wasn't invested in that perspective. But I do remember the 98 finals, I was I was glued in. And I was watching that every minute of every game. And so I remember thinking, oh, yeah, it's the third it's the third quarter. And so, you know, this is where the Bulls make their run. And uh, so I remember all that. And I didn't know any of the story, and why would I? I, was, I think 9 or 10 at the time, about the players holding out and all the partying and the uh, just the the personalities that, that were there. Um, I do remember that they were saying, this is the last one. Like, the, the, after this year, it's all breaking up. And I remember thinking to myself, well, that's weird. But whatever, I guess that's how sport does, I guess. Um, and so hearing all this with uh, – Crowds, I think, is the the GM, yeah, and all the stuff that, that he had done um, to build it, but then also could get out of its own way to keep it going. Uh, that that's just fascinating television to me. Um, and the other thing is, uh, I never want to hear again where people talk about athletes today being too buddy buddy with each other because uh, they tell all these stories of them golfing the the day before.
0: Uh, well, the physicality—I don't know—they've kind of officiated that out of the NBA, especially. So, um, but yeah, the the den—I mean, I remember the the pist—I hated the Pistons. Gosh, I hated the Pistons. I still hate the Pistons to this day. Um, God, lady, that was terrible. But uh, and yeah. yeah, when Rodman came, I was like, "All right, that's cool. I like Rodman." <laughs>
1: yeah, Rodman—he's he's an interesting dude, no doubt. Um, but not many kids out there that are like, "Okay, just uh, you know." take you three
0: days and leave the team. Well, and you also look at, this just popped up, and you think about it, um, you have Scottie Pippen, who was the manager on a small college in Arkansas, who ends up becoming the number two, and then Rodman, who, like he basically said, he was living on the streets. You know, two all-time greats that just didn't give up and just kind of just kept going, and then, you know, they became because of their work ethic and they just kind of fit. And even, even Jordan who got cut, um, same thing. I mean, he, they, they didn't give up. They, they, they worked their way through. They didn't have so many people kind of like Jordan's mom said, you know, well, work harder, you know? Uh, And, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of parents today who still say work harder, but there's also a lot of parents today who go, Oh, well, they don't like you. Let's do this. So, um, you know, Uh with, uh, with even transferring in high schools and stuff like that now, but, we're not even going to get into all that, uh, today. So, um, with what all is going on, uh, so, so we're going, we're going to end on this because you, you were an impact, your parents impact on, uh, on me as a young coach and with faith. And I actually keep, I still have the letter your, your mom and dad gave to me, um, like a clipping. I keep it up in my room all the time about the impact a coach makes. So, um, and I know we had you talk about it. So, uh, I just want to end with you know you talk about your faith and and what you believe as far as faith goes as far as within within life within anything else. I just want to kind of give you the give you the floor right here.
1: Yeah, um, and that, that's a huge part of my story is you know my parents were such great influences on me, and you know raised us in a household where we were introduced to God and to um, you know what what. Kind of life he had for us, uh, and as a idiot teenager, I kind of heard what I wanted to hear, and I, I kind of went the super uh, judgmental route and uh, took it like took all of the uh, the rules, none of the grace, um, and so that was the the stubborn rule follower that that you got, to coach, which was super fun, I'm sure, um, but the era, around my senior year, high school, freshman year, college was really where it started to become real to me, um, and that's really influenced um, really my entire life since then, where um, consistently trying to, to live in grace and live in a, in a mindset of, you know, nothing that I do is, is going to earn any kind of favor with the Lord. It, it's all grace that he's given to us through his gift, um, and so from that is a real freedom um that one that you know he's got his bet. my best interest at heart the other thing is that i don't have as much control as i thought and that's been coming up as a huge thing for me lately is for us you know it's, it's easy for me you know cause I'm, in, well, I'm, in sales, so I'm a lot of sales so it's kind of hard to sell on the phone um but the other thing is just being um hooked up so much and feeling like when is this coming in and for the christian it's easier to give up control whenever you realize you didn't really have it to begin with, um, because, you know, God has us, uh, sometimes it's, it's not what we want, um, in the moment, but it, but it's for our good. Um, and so that's been something that's really been pressing on me in the last, uh, little bit. Um, and it's really been a, a blessing to take away some of the extra distractions, extra, curriculars, if you will, of just, you know, even something as simple as driving to work and back, that's, that's 30 minutes back of my day that I get. Um, and so trying to be a, a good dad to my kids and a good husband to my wife and just having that time as, as a family where you see like, Lord, give us some good things. Let's, let's, let's enjoy this. Um, and then try to find a way to encourage others through it has just been, you um, know really paramount. I'm just seeing some really cool things where people are coming through for one another, um, simple stuff like giving wedding presents above and beyond the registry to people who've had their entire wedding wrecked by COVID come through. Um, and so just people really taking care of each other. And that, that's, that's been great. And, you know, seeing that from a community perspective where our common thread is the Lord, um, has just been really encouraging to me.
0: Cool, man. Like I said, your your mom and dad were big impacts on a young married couple and, uh, and it and it and it went a long way. Um, I, I tell the story uh to actually Kyle Roughton and Heath Butler, two young coaches that I've had the pleasure with, uh, of the story of your dad. Like I was struggling as a young coach with, you know, thinking, all right, you gotta go you gotta do all this stuff. And then we got to be at church at this time. We got to be at church on Sunday. We got to do this. We, we get in at one o'clock on Sunday morning. We got to get up and go. And I was feeling bad. And your dad just looked at me and was like, Hey, just understand you, you do more of the Lord's work Monday through Saturday than most people do. He'll be, a, he, he'll be all right with you not being there on a Sunday. Cause he, cause you're doing what he's called you to do. And, uh, just the peace that they've given to us. Um, we won't mention your, your mom fantastic cooking, which cost somebody a state championship cause it's somebody's birthday. But, uh, you know uh. Yeah, you know, your your parents. That's are, a story
1: for the next appearance.
0: There you go. That's the story. Yeah, well, and we'll have to get your brother involved on that one too. We'll have to get a little.
1: Oh, absolutely. Talk with that. Absolutely.
0: But yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, I think it, I remember my dad. Uh, for those who don't know, he was a pastor actually before mm-hmm. he was a business owner, and part of his story of why he quit doing it, he said felt like he could be a better Christian, not being a quote unquote full time uh, Christian, um, and. I hope you know what he means by that. It's just simply like, you know, it, your calling and your occupation when they're, when they align is great. Um, you know, if you're called to be a minister of the word and you're a preacher, awesome. But if you're not that, then find an area to serve that with what you're doing. Uh, and sometimes you could be an accountant who does a really good job at accounting and you're also a Christian and you're finding your place in how to minister to others, be generous with your money, uh, just share your faith where where you're at. Um, and that's totally fine too. And that's a big pressure that sometimes I, I know I've felt in the past where, um, Oh no, what I'm doing isn't this, it's, you know, building orphanages or some, you know, this great big thing. But, um, thinking back to some of the lessons my dad gave me, which was, you know, just be you, and you you follow the Lord, and you minister to people where you're at, and that's okay, um, and you need to be okay with that. And sometimes your occupation and your calling are two different things, and that's all right. Um, you're called to serve, not serve serve each other, make the Lord known, know the Lord, um, and if your occupation line's great, if not, you'll figure it out.
0: I mean, hey, that's all Jesus did. He just walked around and catered to people that were there. Yeah. I mean, just that was it. Just and, and and that's it, man. So yeah, like I said, you it's been awesome. So, um and you know, a blessing and, and then the fact that you and your now wife were dating in high school and babysat my son. So uh pretty you cool know, stuff.
1: You know, I remember seeing Kel when he was born and uh I, I didn't realize that the wheels on the little cart where y'all had him for sticking up as much. I kinda kicked the kicked the uh I guess you call that crib and uh like he kind of stirred and woke up. I was like, "Oh, my bad." It's all, you know, like oh, stupid high schoolers. What are we doing in
0: our life? Uh, we didn't know at the time that that child was never going was not going to sleep for three years. But uh, it's, it's it's cool.
1: I started him off on a bad habit. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, I don't think he would have slept anyway. So, but it is it's cool, man. So watching it and um and and being able to go through all this stuff with you guys, but. I appreciate it today, and, uh, yeah, we'll definitely get some more of this stuff going on. I'll get the video stuff worked out so we can we can have the video as well.
1: Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, looking forward to, uh, you know, when wrestling season comes around. Uh, I'll be sure to blow a couple calls, and you can have me on and yell at me.
0: Yep, there's no doubt about that. So, All right, well, we're going to talk to you later on. All right, have a good one. See you.